Welcome to The Exchange. I'm Dan Riley. The Exchange is a streaming internet talk show and podcast of interviews with noteworthy people about their lives, ideas, and current events. This week I sit down with Ronald Howard, Professor of Management Science and Electrical Engineering at Stanford University. During our conversation, Ronald discusses truth-telling, deception, and lying in our society. His former student, the author Sam Harris, and the book that Sam wrote, Lying, that was inspired by Ronald's class. I'm here with Stanford professor Ronald Howard. And Ron, first of all, thank you again for taking the time to talk uh, about your life and your career. And uh, I wanted to start just by kind of learning a little bit about your academic background and um, kind of learn about your upbringing and then your high school and college career and uh, how you got interested in the subjects that have kind of defined your academic career. Okay, uh, fair enough. Well, I was born in Brooklyn, New York, and uh, my parents were immigrants from Northern Ireland. Uh, <clears throat> my mother came over, and there's a longer story about my family, but I'll just begin with with uh, them coming here. My father came over in 1926, and my mother, they were engaged and, and at that time, and my mother came over a year later after he'd had a time to you know, find his way, uh, and they got married. She stayed at the, uh, at the minister's house the, f- the first night, and they got married the next day, so in 1927. <clears throat> and so uh, I arrived in 1934, uh, and we lived uh, always uh, on Long Island, first uh, in a place called Rosedale, and then uh, uh, after that, uh, I, when I went to school at Lindbrook High School, I don't know how much detail you want in that period of my life, but you're welcome to as much as you like, you know, my upbringing and all that kind of stuff. Uh, long story short, though, I uh, went to Lindbrook High School, graduated from it. It's a fairly small high school, about 120 people in the graduating class. Uh, and uh, four of us went to MIT, which was quite unusual out of, you know, it was regular public school, but some very great teachers that mm. made a big difference in our lives. Mm. Uh, and so I went to MIT, studied initially electrical engineering, and then I found that by not, by not uh, <clears throat> uh, spending a lot of money, I could get a second degree in economics in the same time. That was kind of something that MIT did that I was really very happy about. They had something called an advanced standing exam. And what that meant was if you if you petitioned to do it, uh, you could say, I want to take the final exam in this course. Hmm. Uh, and if you passed it, then you'd get credit for that course. And this cost $5. So that was a, a real bargain then. Now, when I went to MIT the first year, the tuition was $600. By the time uh, I was a senior, it was $1,000. Now, think about that. Mm. Uh, dollars, a lot of inflation, but still uh, quite a bargain of the $5. Uh, <clears throat> I was pretty fortunate because I had a scholarship offered by Grumman Aircraft. Mm. Uh, now, now they've merged with somebody else. But at that time it was Grumman. And uh, they gave, I believe it was 10 scholarships to high school students from Long Island. Mm. And I and uh, another fellow from my high school got two of them. So we did pretty well. And what the deal was, was they would pay your tuition 
at MIT. Uh, and also part of it was you got a summer job with them mm. for four years, I think. First year after high school, summer after high school, and then in after freshman year, and finally junior year, mm -hmm. which was a great experience. I learned an awful lot during those summers mm -hmm. uh, about life in general. Uh, and then I had this uh, experience that uh, you've heard about. Uh, and uh, I realized that there was a lot more that I should be doing than I was already doing. And so I started courses, not just in the decision analysis field, which I, uh, was my primary professional one, but uh, also in uh, freedom mm -hmm. and uh, ethics. So that's, that's been going on for some time now. And they've been major, uh, major uh, uh, episodes in my life that I wouldn't have missed. Hmm. I was thinking today about this, that that I went from always being a clear believer in, in reason and reasoning about action. I mean, that's always been true. Uh, but then there's the question of context in which, you know, in what decisions are you going to be participating and are they you know, freedom creating or destroying. Mm -hmm. And then from an ethical point of view, are your actions going to be consistent with your ethical code? And what, what do you want in your ethical code? Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, had, we, 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 have, we always get uh, you teach what looks like the same course again. It's never the same because the students are always different and you learn new things. Mm -hmm. So that's what, what keeps it alive. But this issue of lying that you raise is, is the great temptation for people in, in my classes because while there are ethical, uh, have ethical codes about harming people and not stealing and all that kind of thing, that's not the temptations that the students in my class face. You know, they're not saying, I think I'll mug somebody today and make some money. Right? That, I'm sure there are people who are doing that, but it's typically not the ones in my classes. Right. So, so what their ethical temptations are are lying hmm. you know they're, they're looking for a job and the the uh, uh per, the person interviewing said well can you program using c plus plus and they're thinking this could cost me the job and they say yeah meaning i'm not really lying because i'm going to learn how to do that really quick by the time i have to go there so people usually have an excuse when they say something that is a lie uh, and, and intending to, to mislead somebody about the truth what, what is your definition blanket definition or general definition of a lie and and i guess i would contrast that uh between lying and just general deception are they different things and what what exactly is how would you represent what a lie to me a lie is pretty simple yeah. it's a lie is saying something that you believe is not true mm -hmm. with the intention to deceive mm -hmm. so you can be mistaken right right i give you a lift over here tonight and i I'm going to give you a lift back. Well, maybe someone's just stolen my car. Right. See? I wouldn't be lying. I'd say, well, gee, I thought it was there, but it wasn't. Is lying, in your judgment, absolutely rampant in our society? Yes. Is it? Do you? <laughs> and, and do you? How long does it take you to notice it? I mean, are there are there institutions or people or ideas generally that you see flourishing that? 
you've regarded as straight up lies for quite a while? Well, uh, you know, we get into discussions in the ethics class of, of things like advertising. So, for, so, for example, you've probably seen on television uh, car commercials, mm -hmm. cars driving on this uh, on this beautiful day in rural, you know, California road. You know, there's not another car in sight, and it's beautiful. Well, and it says, you know, professional driver or something. Well, that's not the typical experience of owning a car. The typical experience is parking lots, traffic jams, freeways, uh, maintenance costs, uh, accidents, and all of that. I mean, anybody who's had a car in their life for long knows that the percentage of time they're going to spend in that per, per, uh, that experience is probably way less than 1%, mm -hmm. right? Uh, yet that's the representation. Right. Now, notice on the other side of that, almost... And, <laughs> This is not exactly online, but it's very similar to it. If you look at some drug advertisement in uh, Parade Magazine, for example, you'll see the people, you know, skipping around. Uh, you know, it's an arthritis thing, and they're going to be fine, right? Then you turn the page, you see two pages worth of the things that could befall you if you took this <laughs> drug, Even, no matter how rare they are. Right. I mean, they've all got nausea. I mean, you could almost recite the same ones for every drug. Right. Now, that's is that uh, is that lying? No, is that they're they're saying what they have to say legally. Mm -hmm. They don't really have a lot of choice about it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so so we're used to in, in advertising. See, is anybody deceived by that car thing? Not really. If you're used to cars, but you got to realize that they're not showing you the real experience. So would you view that more as deception or a lie? I wouldn't. I wouldn't call it either one. I would think it's a matter in this case of. To the right audience, mm -hmm. namely people who are used to cars and buying them and stuff like you or me, uh, we're not deceived by that. We know they're, they're make, that those aren't the typical days. Right. So, so as long as there's no real uh, uh, deception of the audience, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But if they say things that, you know, this is guaranteed when it's not, now we're getting into things that are absolutely lying. Right. I, I've been thinking about this a lot recently with popular culture now and how so many of the television shows that are the most popular TV shows in the country have protagonists that are perpetual liars. And why, thinking about why that is the case now when historically that has not been the case, I'm wondering if that has been a topic of conversation in your class and what the general sentiment has been from you and, and some of your Well, pursuits. it's funny you should mention that because my lady friend, called me uh, last night about this and said, you know, there's this show where this guy tells every lie as soon as he can think of it. And it's, and it's very funny, but at another level, it's not very funny right. because you wouldn't want your child to behave that way. You know, when the child, when they're growing up, say, boy, I raised him right, lying through his teeth all the time. Right? Right. So, so it is a figure of fun. I mean, as long as you understand that, that's great. But to me, it's very sad. Do I want to be lied to? No, no. <laughs> and we talk about it in class. We got this new, we got this new car option you can get that makes you think you're going faster than you really are. Looks like you're using less gas. In other words, it's the optimistic. We call it the the optimistic option. Yeah. Right? Everything's life the way you wish it were. Right. Well, that's a joke, right? Right. It's like mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? And it's always you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Why would you want to live like that? And how about? institutionally or, or within the country generally yeah. or where, where you most 
put your finger on and say, this is where lies are happening, or these are lies that are held by the general public at large that are causing, actively causing harm in the nation or in the world? Now we're getting into freedom and all that. One of the things I'd say, did, did you notice that we renamed uh, the department of, uh, with the military in it after World War II? I didn't know that. Yeah, you see, before that, and in the Constitution, it was the War Department. Right. No screwing around, right? Now it's the de- this de- is for war. Department of Defense. Yeah, now right. it's the Department of Defense. Well, how come I feel less defended now? As a matter of fact, if I travel the world, I'd rather do it with a Canadian or a Swiss passport than an American one because there are people who want to kill me because I'm American. Right. So that's what I got for my defense. And, it, and, it, and they're also spending you know, a huge bunch of, of uh, treasure in blood in creating a more dangerous world for me. Right. I mean, it wasn't that the guys who did the World Trade Center and killed all the things. It wasn't that they woke up one morning and said, what building will we knock down and where will it be? Mm-hmm. They were they were reacting to uh, things that they thought were in, invasions of their country by the United States. Mm-hmm. And do you feel like those truths are actively trying to be dismissed or blanketed or omitted to the American public by the government at large? Well, I think we have to realize that when you, when you really examine language, I'm very very concerned with getting precise language right there. So, so what's a terrorist, right? What's a terrorist, right? Well, a terrorist is a guy that you disagree with in terms of what he's doing. If you agree with him, he's a freedom fighter. Right. So I'm sure for the, you know, when the Germans were, were dealing with the French resistance, they were terrorists. They're blowing up trains and all that, right? <laughs> well, there are freedom fighters. And, and, and what, I, what I notice is that there's some, what is the difference between a modern terrorist and a criminal? You know, if a guy blows open a bank vault and takes the money, we don't call him a terrorist. You know, just a criminal, right. murder, rapist. But, but the difference is the between a terrorist and a uh, and a criminal is generally the criminal's mother and family are not proud of what he did. Look at your son. He raped three women. Oh, terrific. Just the boy I always wanted, right? I mean, that'd, that'd be a joke, right? Right. But the terrorist mothers are proud of them right. because they see them as righting a wrong. So you have to say, you know, what, what was the wrong that they're righting? And indeed, a lot of the activities of people that are hurting others are by people who are think they're righting a wrong. Right. You know, we better stop creating those wrongs and then we'll have a much better chance of safety. In my lifetime, one of the most notorious public, publicly known liars is uh, the f- former president, Bill Clinton, and how... But he is pe- smooth, you got to admit. S- smooth, he exactly. not have sex with that woman. Right. And, and it Depends seems... what like, you mean by is, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. That, that people loved him anyways, that they recognized that he was deceitful and, and yeah. lied to the public at times. Yeah. Would, it, would, would, your, would your suggestion have been that rather than lie to the American public to, to represent himself as someone who is not in a monogamous marriage, who has relationships outside of his marriage from the well, get-go? he was fooling around for a long time, sure, right? Sure, Even, We knew that before he was even elected. Right. And, and you know, if that bothers you, uh, you know, don't elect him. Right. But 
he wasn't he wasn't really high. There was a lot of a lot of information out there about what his moral behavior seemed sure. to be. But he would have actively lied about it if ever he did. if ever asked. I mean, he did. We know he did. Right? So what what would have what would have been in in your view the the better uh, strategy from his All perspective right. with a more moral strategy? Tell me a, a politician who tells the truth. Tough to know. Well, you see, would you get elected? I'm going to tell you, you know, all the things you want, we can't afford. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, just think about it. Right. So people generally don't want the truth, I guess. Or, does, that, does that speak to the populace then at large that we don't want – generally people don't want to know what the truth is and so they'd rather have people well, promise them everything? life of avoidance. I mean if you want to get into this, think of all the things that people do and you wonder why. Like what about go now, pay later? You know the marshmallow test, right? Right. Okay, it was the same thing. Why, why would you want to keep paying – Paying more in order to go now, when mm. it's supposed to saving until you can afford to do it. Right. I mean, you know, I've known people of, of you know, very intelligent people. With one of them was a uh, uh, controller of a foundation, and she was running a credit card bill with you know twenty five percent interest on it. And I said, well, "What are you doing that for?" You know. Right. I just can't get it. No, she knew better. Right. She just couldn't. It's like a dieter can't conform to to what he or she knows is the right thing. Right. Weakness of will and so so. And is that something that afflicts the majority of people or so many enough people that, like you mentioned, our representatives who are vying for our vote are not willing to engage in a more frank discussion? Yeah, I'm not sure people want to hear the truth. And and part of it they've been trained to have it that way. I mean, if, if if a politician got up and said what the real truth is, probably wouldn't get elected. Right. In this country, or would you say generally anywhere? Well, uh, you know, that gets down to do you like democracy or not? And be, before we go on further, we ought to comment on that because we're typically very proud of America as a constitutional democracy. Mm actually a republic, although most people don't know the difference. But the thing they're most proud of, if you think about it, are the Bill of Rights, the first ten amendments to the Constitution. Mm -hmm. Now, if you think about it, those are limits on democracy. Aren't they? Mm -hmm. Okay, so so we, we limited what people could vote for without a lot of work, you know, right. constitutional amendments. Right. And we know we know from the disaster of the prohibition and its creation of misery and and mafias and all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. that when we tried that we had to back off it again. Mm -hmm. So there was a certain wisdom in the idea of limiting the power of government. Right. But now you know this this came up in class the other day. Many years ago we did a study of of the effect of income ta taxation, just say income tax. Remember, income taxes were unconstitutional until something like 1916 and had been for 20 years. This was a new thing. Mm -hmm. And when they arrived, the, the first bracket was 1% and millionaires paid, you know, like 6% in a day when 
millionaires were much, much wealthy than a millionaire today would be. Mm -hmm. So it kind of snuck its nose in under the tent. Uh, but the, uh, the, the problem with uh, taxation in the study we did was there used to be stories in the paper that said, you know, you're, you're working until April for the government, you know, that fraction of the, of the year. It's like you're, you're working that and now yeah. they start to now March, April. Well, they asked us to do a study on this many years ago, and we did, led, led by a brilliant graduate student. And uh, so he, he said, okay, there's all these direct taxes that you know. You know here, here we pay income taxes to the state and also to the federal government. Uh, but that's not the only taxes you pay. Uh, there's taxes on your phone. I mean, if you really made a long list of them, you know, in your 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 car, uh, all you know, it's hard. And, and sales tax, of course, which is massive here. So, so it's a long list of taxes that mm -hmm. you pay, uh, just that are called immediate taxes. But then you realize that every business you have dealings with is also paying taxes, and that's increased the price of everything you buy. Mm. So we, including that, see, now this is a huge drain because it's not April anymore. It's it's out to the summer. Right. And then you realize, furthermore, that in addition to these uh, 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 more direct taxes, including you know death taxes and all that, like the hurricanes, including all of those, uh, and including the effect on everything you buy, which has taxes built into it. There's something else which the Austrian economists would be quick to point out, that the very existence of taxes has made distortions in the, uh, the efficiency of the economy. See, every tax and every subsidy is a lie about the value of a resource. Hmm. Every tax and every subsidy is a lie about the value of a resource. So in communist days, in, in communist Poland, they said, you know, poor people should have bread. So they had a huge subsidy on bread. So farmers not being dumbified decided how to feed their pigs was to go into town, load up with bread and feed it, take it back to farmers feed. I mean, how stupid can it be, right? But it made perfect sense for the farmers. So we'll call this malinvestment, things that people do that really don't make any sense because of the taxes and subsidies. Hmm. So, so for example, you know, as a consultant, I have a, a, a business, right? And if I'm, if I'm paying a high tax rate, you know, 40% or something, right. and I'm thinking about, should I buy a, a new computer? Well, I get a 40% break from the government by doing it. I mean, it, it's not that they think they're giving me the break. It's built into what they're doing to me. Mm -hmm. So it really is cheaper for me to buy this thing as a business expense, if I'm using it in my business, right. than it would be if I were just a private citizen. Right, right. So these are the distortions. So anyway, when we did that, we were out to October. Really? You're, you're, you know, Lincoln freed the slaves, 12 years a slave. Well, I've been my whole life a slave. <laughs> and people don't realize it. Mm -hmm. It's huge. Mm -hmm. I mean, the U.S. has military establishment like 135 other countries. You know, a bigger military budget than the next 10 countries together. Right. You know, you worry about the Canadians coming across the border. Right. I mean, it's ridiculous. By any, by any, anybody looking objectively at it saying, right. why the fuck are we doing this? Right. Right. I mean, there was a time when, when the Russians had a, a you know, 50 megaton 
warhead on top of a missile that if it if it had landed in San Francisco it was goodbye San Jose. Right. Right? Yeah. Well happily that seems to be gone on both sides. Yeah. But our budget hasn't been gone. We find, keep finding new wars to fight. Right. We're on the brink of one all the time. Right. And you could name one tonight that we're being tempted by. Right. Or two right. Or more. <laughs> right. How about in personal relationships? Oh, in 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 regards to how we you mentioned this comment earlier. Yeah. If your girlfriend or your wife asks you, Do I look fat in this dress? Yeah. Or so, the the sort of white lies that people that yeah, are generally we we civil we don't make deal with colors of lies in my club. And and so what what is the is it always better to give the truth with soft? No, find what the truth is first of all. Right. You see, if you suspect this is, there's a lot of lies that are out there like signals, and we ought to, we ought to understand those. Now, uh, how'd you like to go out with me tonight? Oh, I've got to wash my hair. Right. That that sounds better than I don't want to go out with you. I don't like you. Right. 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 Yeah. <laughs> so. So there's a lot of things. They think it's smoothing the social waves or something if you do that. But you see, if somebody asks for your opinion, do you want to be a person who gives their opinion? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, don't ask me if you don't want to know. Mm-hmm. Right? So w- once they once they ask for it, see, if, if you want to maintain your ethical position as a person who, who says what they believe, right. you can't say yes just because you don't want to avoid a fight. Right. And so it, you might say, do you want reassurance or an accurate assessment right. of how you look tonight? And, and, is, and I love you. <laughs> <laughs> and it, would the advice be to give give the truth lovingly? I mean, there's a way to to you know to take some of the barbs out of the comment that don't yeah, go for the. Yeah, you but know, put a little bit of sugar makes the medicine go down. Right? Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> well, it's kind of interesting. You never have to choose about allocating love. Because you have an infinite amount of it, so what are you keeping it for? Right, right. So that's that's a whole other discussion, right? right. If you love somebody, you don't love ninety two percent or something. You yeah. love me, you don't love me, yeah. and it's a good idea. If you have a choice, always love me. It must cost you, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so then you get into you know, do they really? Are you asking me? You want me to praise you? I'd be happy to do that. There are things about you I could praise, or you really want my opinion on something, right? See, and you know, this is a tough battle. Because, uh, but but once you get over it, it's so simple. Mm-hmm. So you know, my lady friend and I have been together a little over seven years, and uh, initially, you know, this was kind of strange. But now she's she's got it. Okay, that that we don't lie, you know, and and no matter what it is, you just you just don't do that. Mm-hmm. Right? Does it? Do you find that it penal- that strategy and that that ethical position that you have that there are an infinite number of times where it has been socially difficult for you to do it, or people have reacted initially very negatively to comments that you've given truthfully. I never seem to have that problem. I guess they expect me to be a certain way. Mm -hmm. People who know me expect me to say what I believe. If they ask me, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say I'm going to taste all the food in your kitchen and tell you whether it's good or not. Right, <laughs> right. Or volunteer. But if you ask me, well, there's an example in the book that I wrote uh, on ethics, which is a, uh, I had a, 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 many years ago, I had a doctoral student, and one of my first ones actually, who uh, was going to be going to beat his girlfriend and, and soon to be fiancé, that was it, family. So he, she and he are going to, the, to her folks mm-hmm. 
for the first visit. And the uh, they have dinner, and then it turns out in the conversation that that his to be future mother-in-law, mm-hmm. uh, her specialty is rhubarb pie. And she's known far and wide for the rhubarb pie. Now, he doesn't like rhubarb. <laughs> but here comes the pie. What's he going to do? He ate the pie. Right? I refused seconds, but I ate the pie. Didn't say a word. Well, then he married the woman. And now when they, next year when they visited, guess what? Mom has knocked herself out to get rhubarb, even though it's out of season, so she could make her pie for him. Right. Now what does he do? He eats the pie. (laughs) And he, last time I checked, he was still eating the pie. Mm Is the the notion there that the initial blowback or the initial offense? It's possible she could have gotten offended that he well, didn't the, want to try. Well, the first step you know, we don't just say tell the truth. And the class right. is very important. First, find out what the truth is. Right. First, find out what the truth is. And the truth there is, I don't like rhubarb pie. Well, but it's more than that. He said, you know, you're you're the mother of this girl I I love. I I really appreciate you having me here and, and meeting the family. You know, and I know you've gone to a lot of trouble to make this for me. Uh, however, I just don't like rhubarb. Right. And I'm afraid you'll take that the wrong way. But, you know, that's just a fact. It's nothing about you, right. nothing about the, what you've done to, right. for today. And I guess... I mean, and, and you know, what would have happened, right? Sure. Sure. Right. Probably, <laughs> probably not much. Probably, probably not, not much. much. And what I find is when people do that, they raise the relationship to a higher level. Right. That's the really, that's the big payoff. Right. That instead of dealing, you know, socially back and yeah. forth, you know, you're pretending, you're now in an intimate, right. in a true sense with that other person. Now, why not? Right? And in that situation, she never asked him, do you like rhubarb pie? No, she just hands no, him no, the no, rhubarb she pie. Knows. And yeah. And, and so she was a little prideful, perhaps, on her part, showing off, you know, I can make this wonderful pie. Which is great if you're a rhubarb pie eater, but right. you know, not if you're not. And he has an ethical responsibility or or an opportunity, even though he hasn't been asked you like the rhubarb pie, he has an opportunity to, because the situation had moved to the point where it's now time to eat the pie, or yeah. he's seeing the rhubarb pie where he yeah. ne- it's it's on him to voice yeah. his opinion. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but the first thing is you've got to know what the truth is, and finding the truth is often very. You know, is is work. Right. It's not a, just off the top of your head. Right. So you got to care enough about the relationship to put the work into it. Right. And hopefully you do. Right. And we live in a society where people can speak the truth generally that they are they have the freedom and the law protects them from to be allowed to to tell the truth. For people who are caught in unlucky, unfortunate situations where Notice for example, that the law, there's this question of uh, you don't have to uh, uh, say anything that might uh, you know, con- you know, convict you of doing something. In other words, you can hold your tongue. Mm-hmm. You don't have to confess within mm-hmm. the bright lights or something mm-hmm. like that. You know, mm-hmm. that's in a, any, any society that I'd want to be a member of would not be confessions out of people. Right, like right. And the ones that do 
For example, there's a, a, a gentleman who lives in L.A. now who escaped from North Korea and he wrote a book about it. I think it's called Camp 14 or Camp 16 or something like that. For people like that who are who find themselves in circumstances where they know truth telling will lead to beatings or concentration camps or fill in the blank. Yep. Is the is it the ends the what what will result from telling the truth and protecting yourself justifiable in in circumstances like that? Well, just think about it. there are people who were in concentration camps and, and extermination camps under threat of death who behaved admirably, you know, never went back on their ethical belief. Mm -hmm. right? I mean, if they said, you know, you, you can't put Buddha in jail, right? Mm -hmm. In other words, you're, you're, you're going to die anyway. Mm -hmm. What kind of a person do you want to die as? Right. And it's amazing to me that the number of we studied this. The, we spent a lot of time in the the freedom class talking about, and the other class talking about the uh, uh, you know the whole Nazi experience about mm -hmm. how a country that was you know an amazing uh, country of science and music and art and literature. You know this is this is Beethoven, right? That's I mean, this this is not some nowhere land that you know the Berlin learns. This is a very distinguished country in it, and, and everything they did, Goethe and so on. So, and and yet, yet, they ended up, you know, killing twelve million people, six million Jews, and six million uh, uh, Slavs, and uh, prisoners of war, and gypsies, and so forth. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's an amazing, and, and you know, killing them not not in the course of battle or something, you know, like. 30 million Russians they killed primarily, right. but, but, you know, intentionally and for ideological reasons. So that, so, so just studying how, how this, this country that was great in so many ways ended up and, you know, to my knowledge, Hitler never killed anybody except uh, his wife to help her commit suicide. Mm -hmm. So, so it was his mouth telling other people to do things right. and trying to interpret what he wanted who ended up doing it. We spend a lot of time on this because it is, it is such a, a, a shocking story of, of how people got caught up in that web mm -hmm. and how those, I mean, the, the, uh, uh, these were not the dregs of society that were in you know, the SS. And so they were often you know, lawyers and doctors and stuff. We got into that. That would be another hour. Sure, it's shocking. Sure. How about people like Oscar Schindler, who deceived the Nazis to protect children? That he clearly engaged in lying in order to protect people. Do you view his actions as noble, or that there was a different way that perhaps he could have gone about his business to try to achieve what he ultimately wanted to do, well, which was save see, people? You, you could be. You don't have to tell – that gets to the issue of secrets, which we haven't talked about. Mm -hmm. See, if somebody asks you how much money do you make, do you have to tell them? Is it ethical for you to not tell them? Absolutely. Right. I mean, none of your business, right? Right. So so it's not that you have to tell everything you know. Right. And, and you know, he wanted to keep secret a lot of those – for good reason mm – -hmm. a lot of things he was doing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you, you keep it secret. 
But didn't, as I understand what he did, he had to misrepresent the truth, which was he needed more people to work in his factories, when in reality, he didn't really need the, the extra help. He just wanted to save people. And the only right. way he could see that he would be able to do that is was by lying. I, well, I think he, he could. I don't know what the script in the movie said, right? No. You know, he, he could have said, which is, it's very important for me to be to continue doing what I'm doing to right. get these people. Right. See, that's true. Right. But he's thinking one thing. Sure. And they're thinking another. And but if, it's literally true. And if, if they ask him, do you, is it, is it mandatory that you have these, this extra labor in order for you to continue with your, your manufacturing? Well, you could say, well, is it mandatory that you have these guns or whatever I'm making? Mm-hmm. Or is that something you could do without? Sure. <laughs> so. <laughs> you see what I mean? Yeah. There's generally a path, you think? There is, too. I think. No, and again, yeah. that's the uh, that's the skill, right? When when they you know when they're trying to catch Christ on uh, uh, on uh, the uh, what does he think about you know, handling money and you know paying taxes and all this, mm-hmm. right? And he'd say, you "No, know, render unto Caesar's the things that are Caesar, and unto God the things that are God." Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they're trying to catch him in, a, in some kind of contradiction. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Last question I want to ask you is regarding the state of affairs of the world in which we find it today. And if, if there if there were if you could pick one or two or three commonplace lies that if, <laughs> if they could only just consistently be overturned and some light would be shined on them, that that would really start to turn the world and change the world for the better, what would they be? Oh, boy. <laughs> I remember Reagan's line, the scariest thing was, I'm, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, there's kind of a, I was talking to you earlier about things that are believed, but that aren't really true. Mm-hmm. And yet it's not like somebody lied to you. Mm-hmm. So these are, these are perhaps uh, errors that people have gotten somehow. Mm-hmm. You know, the, who was it said, uh, patriotism is the last refuge of scoundrels, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you can wrap yourself in the flag to do terrible things. Right. Right. So, so it's a matter of, of what people believe that isn't so and doesn't fit with being a human being right. that allows them to participate in activities and, and condone activities that they would not do if they understand what they're doing. Right. That's, so it's not like Joe always says this thing and if we only you know, wouldn't stop saying it, it'd be great. Right. Not that simple. We're all conspirators in yeah. this. And I guess a quick follow up to that, if you know, it it does seem like people in the country, they, everybody, so many people have different ideological views on things, yep. and so many of them seem to want the best for people. Sure. They want the best for society. Integrating your general perspective and studying of of human nature and of politics and of of society at large, do you fall in line with one specific political viewpoint that? you know, would generally lead to the best flourishing of, of people at large. I mean, I think a lot of the disputes that happen between Republicans and Democrats are people who simply think that one mode of organizing a society will lead to more 
prosperity than, yeah. than the other. It's funny you should ask that because one of the things that I remember is that there was a, there's this, these two sayings by famous people side by side in writings. One was by Jefferson. And he had his vision of the perfect society right. where you would be, you know, a, a craftsman in the morning and a, a poet in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to be productive and you're going to do artistic things. And there was another one by Marx that said the same thing. So it wasn't that they were saying, boy, I want to create very different society. The only question was the means to get there. Mm -hmm. And so the, the means of, uh, of Jefferson were, you know, let, let's let people be free uh, and you know, then they will develop this caring about other people. Marx was you're going to you're going to care about other people, <laughs> no matter what. You know, we're all comrades and all this, and they got a screwed up society as a result. Right. So, but but the, in other words, the, the Marxian idea of from each according to his ability, to each according to his need, is a great way to run a family. Right. I mean. You know, you expect the big kids to chop the wood and the middle ones to milk the, and the little ones to feed the chicken. You know, what they can do, right? Mm -hmm. That makes good sense. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't say, okay, you little kids chop the trees down. That'd be stupid, right? Yeah. Uh, and then, so that's from me. And then there's two each. You know, if one of them is, is a musical prodigy, that one, in the limited reason, is going to get the music lesson, mm -hmm. right? Not somebody who's all thumbs. And you see, in a family, you can do that because you can, you can understand the abilities and the needs. Mm -hmm. As soon as you take that as a rule for government, I need a helicopter. You better give it to me. Right. You see, there's no way of measuring. We need, have all kinds of needs yeah. that are in our heads, right? Yeah. And and who knows what your real abilities are? No one's really intimate enough with you to know that. Gotcha. So so it's a great way to run a family, a lousy way to run a, a community, a nation, let's say. Uh, but what? To me, fundamentally, getting back to your original question was, I think freedom is the best idea in the world. And to me, freedom, a very simple maxim of it, peaceful, honest people have the right to be left alone. Now, what does that mean? Peaceful means not initiating threats of violence or committing violence. Honest means you're not stealing stuff or taking property or defrauding people. Mm -hmm. And left alone means just left alone. Mm -hmm. Now, as soon as you do leave, then you're not left alone. That's mm -hmm. a whole story. What do you do about people who aren't like this? Because right. there'll always be bad eggs, right? right? But the question, just leave me alone. And I'm, I'm thrilled. Now, that doesn't mean you can't have all kinds of voluntary associations, contracts, partnerships, new ventures, all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But, you know, today in class, we're looking at a dollar bill. You know, look at a dollar bill. It's got a big green, a little green seal on it. And it says Federal Reserve Note, if you looked at it. And, uh, you know, this is this this uh, currency is uh, uh, is valid or a little more sh shorter than that for all debts, public and private. Legal tender for all debts, public and private. It says right on it. So what do we call that? We call that fiat money. Meaning, let it be money. It's fake money. You can print. They can print another one. That looks just the same as the first one. Now, what's wrong with that? Well, when I was a kid, uh, and actually more than a kid, uh, you know, teenager and beyond, the dollar bill looked exactly the same, except it had a blue seal on it. And what it set up at the top was not Federal Reserve note. It said Silver Certificate. 
And one of the things you could do if you were visiting Washington was go down to the Mint and give them a dollar bill and they'd give you a little packet of silk. That was a tourist thing. You can't do that anymore. So, so we've turned over to a bunch of politicians the control of the currency. And there are many who believe that the whole depression was caused by the existence of the Federal Reserve. In 1920-21, there was a depression. Okay? You look in the books, you'll find it. Never amounted to much because the government took no action. <laughs> Do you know what they used? Do you know depression is a euphemism? Hmm. What was it called before? It's called a panic. See, they said, well, no, this isn't a panic like 1892 or something. What are we going to call it? Oh, it's just a little depression in the economy. It's just a little thing. A little depression. Hardly notice it, right? And now that's become the disaster word. Yeah. So the euphemism became the disaster word. So then we talk about recession. Just pull back a little bit. You know, next will be a pimple or something. <laughs> hmm. I mean, so, so many things, and they're all interconnected. Hmm. And they're all about freedom and truth. Do you feel like you've lived a relatively free life in this country? Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying there are any other country that I'd prefer to live in. And I have a perfect right to live here. Yeah. And I didn't sign any social contract, by the way. Yeah. If you find my signature on one, I'd be very surprised, <laughs> right? Like, oh, you agreed? No, I didn't agree to this. I didn't agree to all the crap that they tried to put blame on me for. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't, I don't know reparations to somebody who, who that the government did something bad to before I was even born. Mm -hmm. You know, how, by what? logic you know mm -hmm. the, the sins of the fathers are not visited on the children right. fathers a murder doesn't mean you go to jail for a while right so so yeah i uh, i think it's a relatively free country but not yeah i don't think we have a, a free market uh, one of the criteria that uh, i heard someone use and i've adopted it is if if congress passes a law and you can look at the law and see who will benefit and who will lose? It's a bad law, except for maxim violators, you know, real criminals, right? So, and, and you can tell that on any law, right? I mean, we have a law now that, that makes sugar prices three times the world prices. Well, who would benefit from that? Could it be sugar <laughs> farmers, right? And who's going to hurt anybody who makes candy or anything? I mean... It's easy. Just just look at the congressional record. You can say, oh, he, these are people going to benefit. These are people going to lose. Mm. So they're all bad laws to that extent. Mm. Now, that's a very broad commentary on what's coming out of the government. Well, Ron, thank you so much for taking the time and talking to the listeners today it's about your life and pleasure. Career. Thanks a lot. My pleasure. Anytime. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in learning more about The Exchange, want to listen to episodes online, or would like to reach out to the show, feel free to visit the show's website at theexchangeshow.com.